climate, on growing our economy, on increasing trade, on uh, helping our citizens with affordability. There's uh, so many things on which we're aligned from uh, standing up for people's rights to making sure we've got a more inclusive, pluralistic society. I'm sure President Xi will be all about the all-inclusion. That goes over well. Oh, my God. All right, it's the first time I've heard that, all-inclusion. I've heard Melanie Jolie use that go-to line. We need a more inclusive society. And she was talking about Hamas. I'm like, yeah, they're all about that. Let's get some inclusion, Hamas. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is uh, big meetings going on in San Francisco. Newly cleaned up San Francisco looks like a shining beacon of uh, what it does not normally look like, but this is a big meeting with President Xi of China being, you know, the one to watch. Certainly uh, President Biden having some meetings with him. And um, he's trying to cool the temperature between the two superpowers, certainly. You know, this follows the spy balloons, threats to China. You know, like a couple of weeks ago, Global News, you know, they dealt with like fighter jets from China coming up and basically within meters, you know, sending warnings. We've had Chinese ships coming at uh, allied ships, including our own. I mean, they've been aggressive. This is a exercise of lowering the temperature and I guess making sure that China's not getting too close to Russia and Iran. Justin Trudeau arriving Wednesday, he uh, is looking to some kind of path to trade or something, some kind of climate thing, I don't know. But it is the first time he's going to be coming face-to-face with Mr. Xi since that last awkward face-to-face at the G20 summit in 2022. And it's the first time He'll see Xi face-to-face, I think, since the launch of this inquiry into Chinese interference that Xi said, do not allow that. Charles Burton, senior fellow at the McDonald laurier Institute and a former counselor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing, joining me. Hello, Charles. Been a while. It's good to speak with you. All right. So on uh, first blush, what are you watching for? Well, you know, not very much, frankly. <laughs> Well, the meeting between Biden and Xi just mm-hmm. seems to repeat a standard pattern that we've seen before where the Chinese say, oh, yes, we'll uh, we'll deal with that fentanyl for you. Mm-hmm. We, they did that with, with Trump in 2019, more or less along the same lines. And I think from China's point of view, I think they, they're not entirely opposed to the West being weakened by these awful drugs. And so you know, I'm not expecting any real action on that. They did say that they would reopen military to military communication so that when they send their ships and across the bow of our freedom of navigation exercises or you know when they put you know that one with the airplane where they got within five meters of the wing of one of our planes monitoring the North Koreans non-compliance with UN sanctions you know eventually something is going to go wrong if you have so many close calls and we know historically how many very serious wars, that started as a result of some relatively trivial incident that might have been a misunderstanding. So yeah. I don't see that. And there's been a few, certainly, of late. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, and I mean, with regard to our prime minister, I mean, nobody wants to talk to him. Why would they? You know, it. it first, he says that he won't, uh, he won't uh, bring Canada's defense expenditure up to the 2%, which is the absolute floor for NATO ever. And then symbolically, in the latest budget statements, he reduces expenditure on defense. He focuses mm-hmm. on, you know, his important issues like environment, uh, gender, and, <laughs> and that kind of thing. Um, but what we're really facing is 
um, Iran in the Middle East, uh, Russia in Asia, and potentially China in the Indo-Pacific, and Iran, Russia, and yeah. and, um, and China possibly all getting together. So, you know, people don't have a lot of time for the man with the nice socks. So yeah, I, that was evident on day one. But you... fair for Canada, really. You yeah. know, I, I really wish we had someone a bit more stronger, a bit more vigorous, and someone that other nations would actually like to talk to when they're in the same city at the same time, and we don't. Yeah, I mean, right now we're getting kind of the the headlines of fentanyl is just nonsense. I mean, it's not going to stop. Uh, you know, I think what would be the tangible takeaway? Because we do have a lot of really consequential issues, and I don't have a lot of faith in the person that is representing us because, um, you know, we have so many problems, Charles. If it's not with President Xi, it, it's with uh, Israel now, and it's with uh, India. And, you know, on the world stage, we have become a nuisance to our allies. And so what could we possibly get out of this? And then you're wondering, well, what will President Xi, um, you know, do when he sees Trudeau? Are they going to get any kind of FaceTime at all? I, I'm not sure what the prime minister is going to accomplish. But the thing is, we do need him to accomplish something because it, there's so many consequences if something doesn't go right, if something goes wrong. I, I quite agree. I mean, uh, I'm with you. You know, he represents our nation, uh, regardless of our personal views about uh, about him as a leader. You know, he is the guy, so we should be putting all of our hope into him. I don't think that she will talk to him. Uh, and, and of course, the rest of the world, as you say, recognizes that Canada screwed up our relations with India, and that makes us more of a pariah because they don't want to be associated with that. And with regard to Israel, the prime minister is also, you know, not sending out a consistent, clear message of where Canada stands on this matter, which should be with Israel, in my view. So, you know, it just seems like it's just one thing after another for us that really makes me feel sort of mildly ashamed mm -hmm. uh, about where Canada has gone and this idea that the Prime Minister seems to have such confident conviction that we're still an important global power. And I think the rest of the world just sees that as ridiculous, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, we were, we're always known to punch above our weight, but, um, you know, we are not doing that. And there is a real concern. I mean, certainly uh, Biden would want to make sure that China's not going to make a move at this point on Taiwan. I mean, we're not even talking about Ukraine and Russia right now. I mean, all eyes are off of that. And so you got to wonder how much more aggressive will Putin get with that while we try to make sure that the Middle East doesn't blow wide open. So President Xi's in the driver's seat right now because he could make massive moves if he wanted, because what, what are we going to do? Like send over mitts and night goggles? Yeah, I, I, I mean, we don't have anything. I mean, and as you know, as Biden tries to make nice with Xi to improve his electoral prospects, probably, becomes harder for Canada to go to, to the United States and say, look, can you talk to the Chinese about their interference in Canadian democratic institutions? You know, they're not going to be prepared to, to do that for us. Not that there's any reason why they would in the first place, considering how our relations with the United States are just not the way they should be. But, you know, improved relations between China and U.S. does not mean that it's good news for Canada and certainly, I think that there would be a lot of doubt about where Canada would stand if there was um, a war with over over Taiwan. Mm -hmm. I mean, Canada does seem to want to play both sides of the street and hope that if we're the outlier, that China will give us some benefits economically or in other aspects. So, you know, can we be seen as a reliable ally uh, to defend freedom and democracy against the threat of, of authoritarian autocracy from China and their subsidiary buddies, Russia and Iran. 
the other side of this is that uh, the Chinese um, economy is is in trouble. So uh, Xi needs stuff too. And so how does that oh, factor I, for us? Because, I mean, obviously we need to do trade. They're our second biggest trading partner and, you know, they're, they're, they're in trouble there. So how do you see that part of it falling through, uh, falling, following through? Well, I think certainly this is really about that. I mean, she has come to um, the meeting. I mean, for one thing, the fact that he's left China is a sign that he's confident that there isn't going to be a coup against him for right. the reason you say, the declining economy and everything else while he's out of town. And there's also the idea that he can tell American business, look, you know, relations between China and the United States are improving and you can stop withdrawing your assets from from my country. You know, there's still ability for you to make money and we'll take care of you. I mean, that's a kind of typical sort of uh, reassurance that they try and make. It doesn't actually, you know, pan out in the end. They They just do what they've been doing already. But, you know, an example would be the Chinese massive purchase of U.S soybeans to try and, you know, make people happy that, oh, yes, China's buying our stuff and that's important for us. Of course, if China's making a massive purchase of U.S. soybeans, it means they'll be purchasing fewer Canadian and Brazilian soybeans, but nobody seems to... I know. Nobody seems to notice that. Well, the farmers sure do. I I think it just follows a standard pattern, but she is desperate to to recover his position, and and I think he has problems with his military over his ambitions to, to do something in Taiwan. Out of, I think, because the military are concerned that they could fail for, you know, all sorts of good reasons. But she needs a war to try and rally popular support inside China as the economy continues to to be showing very, very negative signs. So we do have a lot to worry about. I, I, I wish that we had a Canadian government that was a bit more like Australia, called a spade a spade, and we mobilized ourselves to make the best use of our limited resources to ally with like-minded um, countries to try and defend the international rules-based order against what is really a, a gradually emerging challenge from China that could tip things over in a way that nobody wants to see in the future, which would be Chinese domination of global institutions and trade. Totally agree. All right, Charles, we'll stay tuned. Thank you. Good to speak with you. Charles Burton joining us here today.